Cable news, noisy, boring, out of touch. That's why Salem News Channel is different. We keep you in the know. Streaming 24-7 for free. Home to the greatest collection of conservative voices like Dennis Prager, Jay Sekulow, Mike Gallagher, and more. Salem News Channel is unfiltered and unapologetic. Watch anytime, on any screen at snc.tv and local now channel 525 if we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much prospered as no other people on earth it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery, with its row upon row of simple white markers, bearing crosses or stars of David, they add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. France Authority on AM 1420. The answer. Yes, indeed it is. Much for joining us for the authority this morning. It's seven minutes after the hour of nine o'clock as we get moving on a Tuesday, the fifth morning of the 11th month, and it means election day in the year of our Lord 2019. Appreciate you being with us. Coming up on the program, we've got a couple of guests to talk about, well, election day. Jane Timken is the Ohio Republican Party chair. She's going to be joining me in about 10 to 12 minutes. We're going to talk about some of the issues uh, on ballots, going to talk about some of the races, going to talk about some of the performances of uh, especially GOP incumbents uh, in the state of Ohio. So we're going to talk to her at about 10 or excuse me, at about 9.20. Then uh, a little bit later on in the hour, at about um, 9.48, we're going to talk with the Ohio Secretary of State, the guy in charge of all of the elections, Frank LaRose. So we're looking forward to that conversation. In the 10 o'clock hour, Michael Johns, one of the... uh, co-founders of the National Tea Party. He will be joining us to talk about the impeachment coup d'etat, which is exactly what it is and what it remains. So before we go into all of that, though, I just kind of have to do this, if I may. I I talked at some length last week um, about just how miserable, miserable it must be to live life as a liberal Democrat. Um. Just looking for up to 18 hours a day, they can probably only sleep six, uh, for something to be ticked off at Donald Trump about, something else to complain about, something else to gripe and, and, and be outraged about. It's what the PPO is. That's why I coined that phrase about four years ago. The PPO is the party of perpetual outrage. It's who they are. It's what they are. Um, and it must be just so miserable to live that way. And I spoke that way uh, last week about, you know, in response to the, the dog, right? Conan? Conan, the military war dog who helped lead the charge um, into the tunnel 
in the raid that ultimately killed al-Baghdadi, the, the ISIS leader. And, of course, we all know the story from there. The dog has been praised as a hero. The dog was the only American service member, and I'll phrase it that way because it's a canine. I can't say service man, but service member um, to actually suffer an injury in that, in that, um, in that mission. And the dog is fine, but um, the dog has been held a hero. And then, of course, you know, the president retweets something that Ben Shapiro and his guys uh, put together at the Daily Wire. And, uh, you know, that's a, a, a Photoshop of President Trump putting a medal with a paw print on it around the neck of the dog. And it was Photoshopped into a uh, actual photo of President Trump putting the Congressional Medal of Honor around the neck of a Vietnam veteran. And so it was just, you know, it was a meme, essentially. It's a Photoshop meme of here's the president honoring the dog. And the president retweeted it. And the outrage on the left was just, oh, my goodness gracious. President Trump tweeted a falsified picture. President Trump tweeted a doctored photograph. He wasn't with the dog. He didn't put a dog... Uh, a medal around the dog's neck. This is this is this is a this is a fake. This is fake news. The president has tweeted fake news. They went crazy over this. They were outraged because that's what they do. And I talked about you know all of the different things that get them angry, all of the different things that make them just live it and live their lives in such misery. Misery. And if, and if they don't have anything new to be mad about the president, they spend the day looking. For something else to be mad at the president about. They're just joyless, miserable souls, American liberals are. Well, I bring all of that up from last week to talk about yesterday. The Washington Nationals are the new world champions of baseball. Washington Nationals finished off an historic uh, win against the Houston Astros. Uh, First time in baseball history that the World Series was decided in seven games and the home team won None of them. Visitors won all uh, seven games. The Nats won uh, their four games at Houston, and the Astros could not obviously win at home, won their three at Washington. It's a very bizarre thing, but the Nationals are the the champions. And given the fact that they are in Washington and the players are still in town and haven't dispersed around the the country or the globe, as it may be, you know, for their off-season plans. They were in town for the parade, so the president said, let's have the Nationals out to the White House for the traditional ceremony celebrating championship teams. Let's have them out right away, because, you know, why make them come back in July or something? Uh, Well, it wouldn't be July, obviously, because they are in the middle of the season. Why make them come back in February or something like that? So they had their little event yesterday, this uh, ceremony at the White House, and a handful of Washington Nationals decided not to show up because they didn't like the president. One of their pitchers, named Sean Doolittle, declared he wasn't going to the White House because President Trump is divisive. I find that funny. Because what's more divisive than splitting away from your team and not coming in the spirit of not politics, but just Americana and celebration of a championship? What's more divisive than that, Doolittle? So Sean Doolittle didn't go, and that's fine. Uh, A handful of others didn't go, but the vast majority of the Nationals went to the White House. It was pretty cool. And one of the nationals who went to the White House and appeared in this ceremony for, with the president, one of them wore a MAGA hat. <gasps> Gasp! Kurt Suzuki is his, is his name. 
He's the Washington Nationals catcher. And he wore a MAGA hat up on the uh, on the stage, on the dais, at the podium, whatever you want to call it. Holy goodness. You would have thought that he was wearing a swastika on his hat. And I didn't choose that phrasing by accident. Because one Twitter hater, one miserable, joyless, pathetic, sad liberal actually tweeted, if Kurt Suzuki would have worn a swastika hat up on that stage, he would have been banned from baseball. Instead, he wore a MAGA hat, which is the same thing. <laughs> That's literally what they said. Um, leftist Twitter, in all of its full PPO outrage, uh, decided that also Ryan Zimmerman, Ryan Zimmerman, a pitcher, should be scorned. Because Ryan Zimmerman actually said into the microphone, Thank you to President Trump as he gave him his jersey, the Trump 45 Nationals jersey again, which is kind of a uh, kind of a uh, you know common thing. It's a ceremonial thing. Ryan Zimmerman thanked President Trump for keeping America the greatest country in the world, which was way too close to his 2020 slogan for the leftists on Twitter and on social media in general. Keep America the greatest. That's like him, his Keep America Great slogan for 2020. How dare you, Ryan Zimmerman? So I'm looking at, uh, I'm looking at Twitter and I think I can best sum up liberals and their lives, their pathetic, sad, joyless lives in this tweet. A, uh, resident scholar at AEI, that's the American Enterprise Institute tweeted after Kurt Suzuki and Ryan Zimmerman did their things, tweeted this, Norman Ornstein is his name, speaking for all of the PPO, quote, very sad. I love Kurt Suzuki as a player, but he wore a MAGA hat to the White House, so I will not be cheering for him. Not quite as bad for Ryan Zimmerman, but his praise for Trump is hard to take. So in other words, Baseball players that otherwise bring this joyless liberal some modicum of joy. Baseball players that he enjoyed watching, he will not enjoy watching anymore because they like a different presidential candidate or a different politician than he does. I just want you to ponder that for a moment. Listen to how pathetically wretched of a life this individual and millions of other desperate, joyless liberals must lead. If they can't enjoy the game because of this, they can't enjoy... Now, I will say this. I will say this. I felt that way about LeBron James when he was with the Cavaliers. It bothered me that he was on my favorite team and I didn't want to cheer for him, but it wasn't because he liked Barack Obama. It was for a host of other reasons having to do with basketball, some not with basketball, but with uh, global uh, globalist interests and China and all these other things that we talk about. But because somebody likes a different candidate than I like, I'm not going to cheer for them anymore. This is why, why we say that liberals literally ruin everything that they touch, including sports. And this is just the latest example of it. All right, a lot of different things to do today. I'm going to get a timeout now so we can make some room and have Jane Timken, the Ohio Republican Party chair, in on this Election Day 2019 as we continue on AM 1420, The Answer.
WHKRadio.com is where to find the Bob France Authority podcast. Yes, indeed, that is where you find it. And if you miss any of the great interviews that we have and you want to listen to those or just other segments, by all means, get to whkradio.com. That's also where you will find the banner headline for the War for America Soul Tour as uh, Hugh Hewitt, Peter Kersenow, um Dr. Sebastian Gorka, and I take the stage at the Holiday Inn Rockside on the 21st. So it's coming up fast, just 16 days away, the War for America Soul. Get your tickets now. There's just a handful of VIP tickets left at whkradio.com. Let's welcome Ohio Republican Party Chair Jane Timken back to our program on AM 1420, The Answer, on Election Day 2019. Chairman Timken, good morning. How are you? I'm great. How are you? I'm good. Are you excited about Election Day? I sure am. We're ready. We are out and about. We're making phone calls. In fact, we led the nation in voter contacts over the weekend, and the Buckeye Battalion is ready for Election Day. Nice. Tell me what your uh, wait, tell me about that uh, about that outreach. How have you talked? Is it just by phones, or you got uh, people people out pounding the pavement? What about you yourself? We're both. Um, I've been out knocking doors. People are making phone calls. In fact, um, we've made probably over three hundred thousand voter contacts, just door knocks in in the state of Ohio with our field staff, um, supporting our local candidates in every corner of the state of Ohio. We feel really good about Election Day, and I'm here to encourage everyone to not forget Election Day. It's local elections that matter so much to your life, where you live. And just a reminder, the polls are open till 730 tonight. And if you want a sample ballot in Cuyahoga County, go to CuyahogaCountyGOP.com. We are going to talk to the Secretary of State in about half an hour, Frank LaRose. Obviously, he's in charge of Ohio's elections, and uh, I know that on his website, uh, as you point out, and also at VoteOhio.gov, there's a place uh, to find out where your local polling place is if you are unsure, if you haven't voted for a long time. a lot. And I'm going to ask uh, Frank about this, too, or Secretary LaRose about this, too. Uh, but a lot has been made about the purging of voter rolls and getting uh, names that have, uh, you know, people have, who are deceased, people who moved out of state a long time ago, haven't voted in three or four years, or several election cycles, those kind of things. It's been a bit controversial. Um, how do you feel about that, Chairman Timken, as far as making sure that our uh, the integrity of our vote here in the state of Ohio is is top-notch? Well, and, I, and, and I'm sure the Secretary of State will tell you that um, he's following the law, um, and people are given ample opportunity to uh, go out and vote, and they're given notification when they fail to vote after six years, and in fact, the Secretary put out notifications of those who would be potentially purged, and they could rectify that very easily. Mm -hmm. Um, Look, we have to make sure that that the integrity of our election rules exist. Um, Voter integrity is very important. We want to make sure that people are registered. Um, You know, quite often it's people who have moved away um, and uh, or no longer in the state. And so we need to make sure that people are actually registered and showing up. We're talking with Ohio Republican Party Chair Jane Timken. Um, let's talk about President Trump and his impact on local elections um, and state elections. We'll put it that way since we are talking statewide here. But, uh, you know, he was in Kentucky last night with another rally, and his popularity at rallies, and it doesn't seem to matter whether he goes to a red state like Kentucky last night or a blue state like Minnesota or, you know, a state that has gone back and forth and that he won in 2016 like Pennsylvania when he was at Pittsburgh. The crowds are enormously. I mean, there they were thousands and thousands who started up 
line, it started lining up two days early. And I bring all that up to ask you what impact the impeachment process that the president is dealing with right now could have on Republican candidates running today uh, on Election Day 2019 in the state of Ohio? Well, obviously, you do see the enthusiasm at those rallies. I've been there. I love them. It's fantastic. Um, the best thing about the rallies is that the campaign um, knows who's showing up, and a lot of times it's about a third Democrat. Um, they love this president, and i got to tell you, the impeachment inquiry this witch hunt that Nancy Pelosi has started, which is basically a behind-closed-door star chamber impeachment, um, has rallied the Republicans here in Ohio. Um, I look at, uh, we had an incredible turnout for a Trump victory, get out the vote in Parma for Amanda Billy, who's running for city council there. Um, and the enthusiasm is overwhelming. And I think that's why we were leading the country in voter contacts. Ohioans, don't agree with this impeachment process. They want to reelect the president, and I think it's galvanized the president's support. Chairman Timken, you look at uh, the performance, you know, despite all, and I agree with every word you just said about the witch hunt. It is ridiculous. It is distracting. It is, of course, planned. It's what they said literally when they when they took office, uh, many of these congressional Democrats. Uh, and really, once the president won in November of 2016, uh, there were, were screams of impeach 45, impeach 45, even before he took office. So I agree, it's totally a witch hunt. But they can't say a thing about the performance that he has done. Uh, October, I, I talked about this at length yesterday, the October jobs report was amazing, as well as uh, the uh, revised upward of 95,000 more jobs created in September and August prior to that, the unemployment rate, uh, a 50-year low, or right at about a 50-year low. And again, uh, minorities, African-American uh, unemployment, Hispanic-American unemployment, female unemployment, all of these are at literally record low since records started being kept in terms of unemployment so what are, what are democrats to do to try to run against the republican uh platform that president trump has taken and run with and uh, obviously been so successful with well obviously you see that they have recognized that they can't win this election unless they try to impeach the president um and i think that's their game plan and we need to fight against it look the reality is that um, the president's policies of tax cuts and deregulation have spurred economic growth here in Ohio and across the country. You see unprecedented low unemployment. People are coming into the job market, and they're very successful. When you look at the African-American unemployment rate, it's now as low as 5.4%. Um, under President Trump, over 6.7 million jobs have been created. It's phenomenal. 500,000 of those jobs have been manufacturing jobs. And, uh, you know, we've seen wage growth go up. Um, the tax cuts have added more to people's wallets. Look, I've said this before, that people understand that they are better off than they were even before 2016. And it, it stinks like 6 million people getting off food stamps. Those stories the media won't tell. It's because of President Trump and his policies that people are doing very well. And Republicans can't fight against it. Instead, they're coming up with far-left, progressive, socialist policies like Medicare for All, which right. I remind people, it, you know, there's over 6 million people, 6.5 million people in the state of Ohio alone get private health insurance. 
that's all going to go under Nancy Pelosi, I mean, I mean, under Elizabeth Warren. And, and she can't figure out how to pay for it. And she's kind of playing fast and loose with the math. Um, and I think people recognize that if she's elected president, their taxes will go up and it will be an overwhelming government takeover, not only of people's private lives, but every business in this in this country. And I wouldn't limit that to her. I think the policies are the same under a Biden, under a Sanders, under a Buttigieg, or any of the others that are left fighting in this Harris Booker. Uh, I think they all pretty much have the same thing. They're going to raise taxes. They're going to try to institute socialized medicine that is going to be uh, robbing people of their private uh, health insurance and so on and so forth. I really do. I think they're all kind of running under different different colors of the uh, same flag, uh, if you will, the same shade of of, of, uh, uh, of socialism. And, uh, and that's a great concern. Uh, Chairman uh, Jane Timken of the Ohio Republican Party, thanks so much for getting the word out today about voting. Thanks for sharing the positive message that the Republican leadership has provided for Ohioans and for uh, Americans in general, and I certainly appreciate the chance to chat. Well, thanks. Get out and vote. Don't forget your local candidates, John Nickel, all the Republicans running for city council in Strongsville, and, of course, Amanda Billy in Parma. They need your vote. Don't don't let them down. Get out and vote today. Very important. Exactly right. Turnout is the key. And a lot of people don't turn out for these kind of off-year elections, but they really, really do because local races matter. Uh, Jane Timken, thank you so much. It's 931, the Bob France at 30, right back after this, AM 1420, The Answer. Nine thirty six now. The Bob France Authority on AM fourteen twenty. The answer. Thanks to Ohio Republican Party Chair Jane Timken. Are you paying attention to Dancing with the Stars? I, I, I got to tell you, I <laughs> I don't watch it. I watched it like season one because I think, and I could be wrong, but that was like when um, Emmett Smith, the Hall of Fame running back, was dancing in it, and I thought, what? Maybe season two or three, I don't know. It was very early on in the whole thing. And I was like, wow, watch Dude Step. He was really good. He was really, really good. It was an amazing thing to see. And then another star like Jerry Rice, I think, went on there, and he won it or came close to winning it or something. So for a while, there's some of my you know, favorite athletes and those kind of things were on it. And so I watched it a little bit with the wife and then very quickly grew bored of it. And I can't believe it's as popular as it is, quite frankly, ballroom dancing uh, with all the nonsense that goes on. It's just not my thing uh, for the most part. Uh, and I'm not watching this season either. But every Tuesday or whatever it is, when I see the update on what happened the night before, I laugh my silly head off. Sean Spicer, the president's former press secretary, uh, is on the show. And according to the judges, he can't dance a lick. <laughs> but Trump supporters are just trolling the left and Hollywood, by voting for him, just by the millions, <laughs> they're just trying to screw with Hollywood. I mean, think about it. They didn't want him on. Uh, uh, Tom Bergeron, the host of uh, of Dancing with the Stars, said something pretty, I, I mean, it, wasn't, it wasn't like a flamethrowing type of thing, but something about, I thought we weren't going to be political on this show. Why are we having a political person like Sean Spicer on? He was mad that the producers offered Sean Spicer this opportunity, and Spicer accepted it. So he was like, kind of didn't want to deal with the idea that a former Trump um, uh, spokesman would be on the program. He just thought it was going to be bad. And uh, never mind the fact that Hollywood is so blatantly political and so 99.9% left 
I mean, you know, they, you can count on one hand the number of true Hollywood A-listers or A-slash-B-listers who count themselves as conservatives who continue to get work. I mean, literally on one hand, there just aren't very many. They know that if they go out public with their pro-conservative, you know, um, philosophy or ideology, it's it's a career killer because Hollywood is so left, and they have no problem saying it out loud. Uh, you know, they not only do they promote their their liberalism, they condemn conservatism, and they condemn obviously President Trump to the level that we don't even need to go into because we've seen it. So anyway, the response is, "Oh yeah, Hollywood, have some of this, have some of Sean," and so they just keep voting for Sean Spicer, even though the judges are saying it was the worst performance of the night. Uh, uh, they hold. Let me see. Do I have this? Do I have any of the audio of the judges? Uh, no, I don't think I do. But uh, there's just a, there's just the the coverage of it is exactly like it sounds. Sean P- Spicer is not a great dancer. There are some dancers who are much better than he is who keep getting voted off because the way the show works, it isn't just judges. It's a combination of judges' votes and scores and the people. It's an open phone line or online voting scenario, and so millions of Trump supporters are just trolling Hollywood and saying. Here's Boris John. Uh, and they're very vocal about it, too. Even the President of the United States did this. The President got on Twitter and sent to uh, this message to his uh, 55 or 60 million Twitter followers. Quote, vote for Sean Spicer on Dancing in the Stars. He's a great and very loyal guy who is working very hard. Hashtag MAGA. MAGA. Uh, and then uh, he retweeted Sean Spicer. Spicer's tweet was, let's keep this going. I'm dancing first tonight. This is, again, before last night's performances. I'm dancing first tonight at Dancing ABC and really need your votes. Cast 20 votes right at 8 p.m. Eastern, please. You're, that's the max you're allowed to vote for anybody. Text Sean 10 times to 20, and he gives them the list. So Sean is out there saying, let's do this, and and president is the president is out there saying, yeah, let's do this, and millions of Trump supporters are just sticking it to Hollywood. I, I, I hope he won't do this because he is a nice guy. Sean Spicer is a very good guy. He is what the president said. He's a good, loyal guy, too. And I, he's, he's an honorable guy. He's, uh, uh, you know, he, he's got integrity. But I kind of wish he didn't, because I think the best troll job ever on the leftist Hollywood, um, uh, you know, uh, hacks would be for him to go out there and trip and stumble over his feet as if he was like crippled. And I mean, literally just trip and fall, literally fall down on a spin, just be as awful as you can be. And then let the Trump voters do the rest and vote him in anyway, because it would just be the best. It would just be the best troll ever. They deserve it. All of the stuff that I continue to hear from leftist Hollywood, uh, it, it would just be the the greatest thing ever. So congratulations to Sean Spicer who survives yet another round, much to the dismay of the left, which is going crazy about this, uh, as well as some of the other contest cont- uh, contestants. And uh, uh, I just think it's awesome. That's just such a great story. All right. What is not a great story, of course, is the news uh, out of Mexico. In fact, this is just the opposite. It is uh, it is horrifying. Um, a family uh, has been slaughtered. Uh, up to 10 women and children have been slaughtered by Mexican drug cartels, or at least a Mexican drug cartel. Here's a report from uh, Fox News. A surviving grandfather just devastated in the aftermath. Nita and four of my grandchildren are burnt. <laughs> 
Shut up. Witnesses say they were ambushed by dueling cartels, one from Sonora, one from Chihuahua. Some victims were found in the SUV, burned and riddled with bullet holes. An emotional aunt speaking out. I was so angry. It's so angry and yet so sad. It was horrifying. We know Mexican National Guard, police and military forces were dispatched overnight in a search operation following reports of some family members still missing. It's unclear at this time if all have been accounted for. Um, I'm going to say this. At the risk of somebody accusing me of politicizing someone's death or several deaths. But what more can you do here except point out the truth? These violent savages, subhuman cartel members, are not only working on the Mexican side of the border. These are the the cartels that continue to come to the American side of the border. They send their drugs and their drug mules and their violent members to this side of the border to move their product. And this is why... President Trump came down that golden escalator in 2015, and one of the first things he declared he was going to do was to seal the border with Mexico. Why? Out of xenophobia? No. Out of racism? No. Out of bigotry? No. Out of a sense of security. Because this isn't the first time this kind of thing's happened. It has been happening for a long time. And it's why he promised to build a big, beautiful wall and has been obstructed every single step of the way. Now, I think he probably stepped in it a little bit to phrase it as directly as he did when he said Mexico will pay for it because he didn't have to promise that. We should have paid for it, and we should pay for it now. And if we can get something from Mexico on the back end by way of a more favorable trade deal as we got rid of NAFTA and as we try to pass, if the Democrat-controlled Congress would do any work at all, to try to pass the USMCA, that's the U.S.-Mexico-Canada agreement, uh, we would be getting a lot more money from Mexico, and we could then thus say they have paid for at least their share of the wall. But, yeah, he probably stepped in it by saying they're going to pay for it outright as if they're going to stroke him a check. But the bottom line is, this is what he was talking about. The border is a very violent place. And that violence is imported into the United States to our cities. And not just in the American Southwest, but into the American Midwest. Indeed, into the American Northeast. Indeed, into the American Northwest. I mean, literally, there is no part of the country that is untouched by cartel drug or drug cartel violence. This is just one of the more egregious and horrific examples of that. And it's why, when you consider what you're going to do with your vote in 2020, in November, we're literally one year away. November next year, you have to decide what you're going to do with your vote. Are you going to vote for a man who recognizes the danger of drug cartels, human smugglers, human traffickers, and gangs coming in from the south of of our border, and not all from Mexico, 
But coming up from the Central American Triangle of countries, coming coming up from uh, other parts of the world, quite frankly, who are using that same route to get to the United States. Do you want to vote with uh, for somebody who recognizes that threat and is doing everything, doing his level best to deal with it and to minimize it, or somebody who says, we shouldn't criminalize illegal immigration. We should decriminalize it. We won't say that it's legal to come here, but we won't punish you, punish you if you do. And if you do come here, we'll make sure that you're fed and clothed and taken care of, and we'll put you on a fast track to citizenship. And I don't know why I'm talking all soft and weird like... Um, uh, like uh, Pocahontas, but that's kind of how I feel about it. But listening to them all talk about open borders. Every member of, you know, we got to take a break here because Frank LaRose is coming on. My apologies. I got to get out of here. But every member of the Democrat cesspool of candidates, when asked, would your plan cover uh, provide free health care for illegal immigrants? Every hand went into the air. That is a carrot that hooks them and brings them to the United States. It keeps those borders open, and the cartels that are doing these kinds of things obviously are going to have open access. Let's get out so we can come back in with Frank LaRose next, right here on AM 1420, The Answer. All right, 9.50 it is. That's 10 minutes before the top of the hour. We're going to pivot away from the terrible story in the cartel to talk about Election Day, or on the border with the cartel, rather, to talk about Election Day in the state of Ohio. Uh, very important, a lot of local races that are going on. It's uh, the kind of thing where we often see a very low voter turnout because it's an off-year, uh, off-election uh, year, if you will. There's not a lot of uh, congressional races or some governor's races, not here in Ohio. But... Um, uh, it's you don't get a whole lot of uh, participation on uh, in years like this. We're trying to change that. We are really trying to get out the vote. That's why uh, Ohio Republican Party Chair Jane Timken came on with us earlier. And now it's my pleasure to welcome the Secretary of State of the State of Ohio, Frank LaRose, back to our program as well. Uh, Secretary LaRose, good to have you back, sir. How are you? I'm doing great, Bob. Thanks for asking, and, and thanks for helping spread the word. As you were mentioning, you know these local elections have a big impact on the quality of life in our community the way our children are educated, uh, the quality of our life, the safety of our streets, and, and all that kind of thing. And so nobody should skip this election. It's so easy. There's really no good excuse for not voting. And that's our reminder today, 7.30 tonight, the polls close. Get out between now and then and make your voice heard. And, you know, you didn't have to wait to today because, you know, that's a common uh, complaint. A lot of people say, well... You know, I can't really get uh, get it done in my vote in my lunch hour, and I can't quite get there to the polls by the time I get off work, uh, and by the time they close, so I can't vote. You didn't have to wait till today. Ohio had twenty eight days to vote, right? Twenty eight days of early voting, both in person at your county board of elections, including convenient weekend and evening hours. We also had the ability to vote from the comfort of home by mail. It's really easy, and there's, like I said, no good excuse for sitting it out. In fact, 320,000 of our fellow Ohioans took advantage of that opportunity. So before the polls even opened this morning at 630, 320,000 ballots had already been cast. And by the way, here's one of those persistent rumors that we're always trying to push back on. Those will be the first ballots counted tonight. Right at 730, at every board of elections, they're going to hit the tabulate button, and they're going to get those results in in the next 5, 10 minutes after that from those early votes and absentee votes. And so uh, when you see results at 745 at night, those are all those early and absentee ballots that are being counted. 
Well, I feel special because that means my vote's going to be counted early because, uh, or first, I should say, because I voted early. My wife and I did on Saturday at our local board of elections. And, uh, and it is good to know that because uh, that will encourage more and more people to take advantage of that opportunity. Um, the last time I had you on the program, we were talking about uh, the purge because that was a big, you know, news story at the time. The purge of the voter rolls and many people complaining this is a ongoing attempt to disenfranchise voters. I thought you explained it very well at the time, uh, as to exactly why it's not that and why it is important to the voting in integrity that we make sure we have accurate voter rolls can you speak to that now as people go to the polls here uh in november of 2019 yeah the fact is ohio's process for maintaining accurate voter lists is very straightforward it's very well understood it goes back 25 plus years and both republican and democratic secretaries of state have carried this out nobody said much about it when it was Sherrod brown or jennifer Bruner that was carrying out the process but for some reason, uh, some folks decided to start playing politics with this. And to be clear, I've, I've said all along that it's time that we modernize this process, come up with a better way to do it, and I've introduced bipartisan legislation to try to do just that. But until that happens, the law is clear, and what it says is if you sit out for six years, if you don't participate for six years, which is 12 elections, if you think about it, you skip voting for six years, then we're required to remove you from the voter rolls if you don't respond to the mailings we send you. And we do multiple mailings. By the way, we also use data from the Bureau of Motor Vehicles. So as long as you've walked into a BMV sometime in the last six years and, and verified your address, we're going to keep you on the rolls. And, uh, you know, I said, let's make an extra effort. Let's send out an extra mailing. And then let's also put this list together early. And by the way, remember, these are 88 county boards of elections that put these lists together. It's not a centralized system that I operate at my office. I told the boards of elections, give me your list. Instead of just hitting delete, let's give, a, let's give the list out. Let's see if we can find some people. We found 40,000 Ohioans that we were able to keep on the rolls because of partnering with a, a number of groups like the League of Women Voters and the NAACP and many others. And so, uh, you know, when people play fear-type uh, games with this, when people put, play politics with this and try to scare voters, they're really uh, doing a disservice because the, the process is very well understood in Ohio and very straightforward. And ultimately what it results in, is that we remove dead people from the voter rolls. We remove from the rolls those that have moved out of the state of Ohio. And that's important to the integrity of our process. To prevent election fraud, the most important thing we can do is maintain accurate lists, even though election fraud is relatively rare, and that's good news. Yeah, well, that is good to know that it is relatively rare. Um, but I'll tell you what, if you're trying to uh, keep people from voting or making it harder <clears throat> for people to vote, you're doing a lousy job of it because uh, that's that's what those who are accusing you and others of uh, of trying to do, uh, trying to make it harder for people to vote and saying that that is based in uh, partisanship and sometimes based by race and that sort of thing. But I think uh, your but here's, efforts... here's the shameful thing, Bob. Yeah. I mean, they're the ones that are participating in voter suppression, if you think about it, because when folks are out there saying, that uh, your chief elections officer is trying to keep people from voting, when, in fact, as you know, I'm out there begging people to register and vote every day, as I'm doing right now on your show, right. yeah. on lots of other shows. But when people say that kind of stuff, uh, when, when, when partisans tell people that, uh, that the system is rigged or that there's some you know, major conspiracy afoot to keep them from voting, the shameful thing is people start to believe that, and right. then maybe they won't want to participate. So when you talk about voter suppression, it's the folks that are playing the politics of fear surrounding these issues that are really engaging in voter suppression.
That is such a great point. Because you know, there, there is a psychological impact. If you tell people long enough that your vote isn't going to count and they're going to try to stop you and so on and so forth, they don't want you to vote, people will say, oh, well, then I won't. Uh, and, they, and, then, and then suddenly we don't have a real true representation or the will of the people is not really fully represented uh, in, uh, in an election outcome. So, and that is something, whether you're Republican or Democrat, everybody should agree with and everybody should support. Um, so, Secretary LaRose, what kind of projections do you have as far as turnout today, or do you have those? You know, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna pick a number. I will say historically, in years like this, it's in the twenty to thirty range, and that's really too bad. I mean, you've heard me say this before, Bob. I've seen people risk their lives to cast ballots in combat zones, where I saw Iraqis go out and vote in their first ever election. This is something I take very seriously, and that's why we're working so hard to try to drive that turnout as high as we can. And think about this: over three thousand seven hundred individual voting locations are open all throughout the state of Ohio. In fact, I'm on my way to one right now uh, here in Butler County. And so, you know, they're they're all over the state of Ohio. And uh, 35,000 of our fellow Ohioans are out there staffing those polling locations. Don't leave them sitting there bored. Go out and see them today. It's time to have your voice heard in this election. That's very well said, and, uh, and and we certainly hope people will do that. There are a lot of really uh, great candidates, local candidates out there who are counting on you to come out and, and support them, and I could sit here and list a few, but I know you can't be partisan in this. You're the Secretary of State. You're running a fair election, so I won't ask you to do that, but I do appreciate you coming on to do exactly what you should do and what Chair Chairwoman uh, Timken did as well, which is to encourage a high turnout. Get out there and do your duty. It literally is, right? When we talk about this, uh, you know, everybody wants to come out and vote for president. Maybe everybody wants to come out for the senate or the governor but but in truth you're impacted oftentimes more so on a daily basis in your life by your local councilman by your local uh, uh mayor or by you know maybe your school board uh you know if there's a levy these kind of things or, or school board uh, races going on these local races probably impact you more on a day-to-day maybe not big picture but on a day-to-day than any others and it's our duty to go out there and make sure we choose well and think about this too when you vote in a presidential race and that's important you're one of millions uh, when you vote in your township trustee race or your city council race or your school board race, it could be a few dozen votes that determine the winner from the loser. And so uh, there's no good excuse for skipping that. It's, you're talking about the quality of life in your community and, and how good the schools are that your children are educated in. That really matters. No question about it. Well, Secretary Frank LaRose, I appreciate you getting that message out there, and I appreciate you clearing up any misconceptions people have about uh, uh, get you know uh, uh, suppressing votes and rather, in fact, doing just the opposite, encouraging more votes to get cast. That's what it's all about, and I certainly appreciate your time this morning. Amen. Please go out and vote. VoteOhio.gov, trusted source for all the information you need. VoteOhio.gov. Thanks, Bob. Thank you so much, Secretary LaRose. VoteOhio.gov, indeed. Make sure you check that out to find your local polling place if you do not know where you are supposed to go. And I should throw this out there, too. A memo uh, from the uh, uh, Secretary's office. Um, Outstanding absentee ballots must be either postmarked by today and arrive at the Board of Elections um, within 10 days of Election Day so 10 days from today, or be returned in person to the County Board of Elections by the close of the polls uh, tomorrow to be eligible. So, no, hold on, maybe this, yeah, this is from yesterday, so by the close of the polls today, obviously, that would be more sensible. Uh, so if you are uh, voting by absentee ballot, you have to do it in one of those two ways. You've got to mail it in by po- the end of the uh, day today, postmark by the end of the day today, arriving within the next 10 days, or it has to be handed in by the close of the polls tonight. All right, it's uh, 10 o'clock, news time coming up now. We're going to get back to national issues, including the attempted coup d'etat of the President of the United States, Michael Johns, who is a 
former H.W. Uh, Bush speechwriter and uh, co-founder of the National Tea Party, is going to be joining us right here on AM 1420, The Answer. Listen to my- 